This episode is brought to you by the generous donations of Matt Lewis, Daryl Delaney, Darren Katzka, Ryan Royce, Jessica Smith, Laura Pickren, Irene Viorito, Nico Batson, John Carey, the Cam family, and Charles Compton, as well as many others. Hello and welcome to Eberron Renewed, a D&D 5th edition actual play podcast set in the Eberron campaign setting. I am your dungeon master, Eric. I'm Philip. I'm Randy. I'm Jeff. And welcome to another episode. Gentlemen, what happened last time? Ooh, uh, we, we burned down a house. Yeah, Booyah got slapped after, around pretty good. After leaving a dead guy in it that we made yes. dead. Yes. Um, we, we, Dex found irrefutable evidence to him <laughs> that, uh, Stormlord, is it Amantu or Amanatu? I've heard both now. Amantu. Amantu. Lord Amantu. Uh, was in fact uh, a host to the Inspired. And so we spent the whole last episode, well, the majority of the last episode, killing him. And then um, in the process of that, some something happened that caused his house to become unstable. Uh, and then <laughs> a, something else happened that caused some, some lamp oil to catch fire. <laughs> a powerful pulse of psionic energy compromised the foundation. And then Dex cracked open a barrel and lit it on fire. And then Booyah planted him in some vines. <laughs> well, Barrick, why don't you say what you what you did when you weren't protecting us? <laughs> yeah, Barrick we retreated Phillip. to the safe house. Uh, and Barrick snuck out on his watch to check out what had happened. And saw the, the rubble of the house and basically, you know, confirmed that... What what appeared to happen was that York Amantu's house caught fire and collapsed on him, as far as anyone knows. And then he went to have a talk with Paola Omarin, one of the Stormlords who was paying us for this job, uh, because Beric is having some problems, morally speaking, with being paid to kill people. Right. And then, just to feed that flame a little bit more... <laughs> Lord Lassite uh, offered us another job to steal, basically to do a heist and steal more of the red stones. Uh, and I guess other things as well, right? Like he just wanted. Yeah. They, they, want they, they have things. a few things that they would like you to get. They only told you and about that's one what of they're going to pay us. To, that's what they're going to pay us to steal. And then they just they're tr- they're trying to incentivize us by pointing out that some of these stones will also be there. Yes. Right. And it just happens to be from Merrick's to Kenneth. Right, yes. No big deal. No, no biggie. <laughs> Beric stormed out at that. He's not a hired thief. And we ended the session at the Church of the Silver Flame getting uh, Booyah uh, some res- restorative... And, and Beric. Okay, yep. <laughs> and Beric some restorative healing. And that's where we're going to pick up, is you all are exiting the Church of the Silver Flame... What now, gentlemen? You've been offered a job. It's um, it was the morning. Oh, 
I have a, I have a question. Are we, because I, if I recall correctly, you said that the restoration magic was going to take five days or so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so are we picking up five days later or are we picking up? No, uh, essentially the next, the next big adventure you're going to go on is going to take place at least five days from now. So I would like right. to pick up where we left off and just narratively booyah. You're having to go back to the church once a day for an hour right. for the next five days. If we, if we cover that amount of time, uh, that that's just where, how we're going to play this. If we get into a combat situation, we might concern ourselves with you having X number of hit points or anything like that. But so where are we picking up in relation to the debriefing before we pick up? Do we need to talk about our levels? Oh yes. Everyone leveled up. Yes. Um, so level eight, Barrick, what do you got that's new? Uh, Barrick has another level of Kensei, which gets him uh, some key, because uh, Kensei is a key-based class, and he has learned some man- some Kensei maneuvers that he can use uh, in combat. Awesome. Booyah. Uh, Booyah picked up a class ability, which is Fleet of Foot. He can use the dash dash action as a bonus action and i picked up of course the sharpshooter feet okay (laughs) actually because booyah's damage modifier needed help (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) okay so what dex did he didn't go to the black dog uh this time because the inspired are like his boogeyman uh, and so rather than kind of go on this new thing that he doesn't know what's going to benefit him, he just trained and practiced. And so uh, I ended up taking the rogue level instead of the lycanthrope level, which allows me uh, evasion basically on a dex save. Nice. Yeah. On a dex save. Now, um, if I pass the, if I pass the check, I take no damage. If I fail the check, I take half damage and it gives me my fourth uh, sneak attack die. Awesome. Excellent. Nice. And also your items. Have new properties. But ba ba ba. What what? Yay. Okay. So Barrick, coming dusk. Now you are able to three times per long rest. And this essentially just gets uh it, it's outside of your spell list, but it, it uses your packed magic essentially. You are able to cast false life, which allows you to bolster yourself with uh, the facsimile of life gaining 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points for an hour. But for ev- it's a first level spell. Every spell slot or every level higher than that, you gain an additional 5 temporary hit points. So the 1d4 plus gets an additional 5 for every spell above first. So are you still casting at third level? Yes. So it's 1d4 plus 19 temporary hit points. Okay, that's... Or, sorry, plus 14. That's slightly better than Armor armor of Agathus. Jeff. Yeah. You are able to now, using the stone... The red one. Not the storm stone. Okay, so if I put put my stone back in. Yeah. Okay. It can now, three times per long rest, Mm -hmm. cast Ray of Sickness. Ray of Sickening Green Energy lashes out towards a creature within range. You make a ranged spell attack, but we're going to have it ping off your dexterity. On a hit, the target takes 2d8 poison damage, must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, it is also poisoned until the end of your next turn. And Booyah, using Planar Justice, you are able to, three times per long rest, cast Chill Touch. Oh, Eric's on a necromancy kick. Where you can make a ranged spell attack, 
once again, will just act like you're shooting planar justice, and this is what launches out of it. Against a creature to assail it with the chill of the grave on a hit, it takes 1d8 necrotic damage and can't regain hit points until the start of its next turn. And if it's an undead target, it also has disadvantage on attack rolls against you until the end of the next turn. Okay, you said it's a spell attack, though, so I'll use my spell attack modifier. Oh, yeah, you're a ranger. So, yes, yes, you would use your wisdom. Okay. Yep. So I don't get the plus from planar justice. You're still you the plus one from planar justice right. because it is the implement with which you are casting okay. the the spell. You all are exiting the Church of the Silver Flame after getting some restoration for Buya and Barrick. Where are you heading to? I mean, have we basically decided that this safe house is our home base, or are we going back to borrowed time every night? I think Buya would probably go back to. Our <laughs> ship because of his relationship with Gerald. Okay. Okay. Well, Barrick's stuff is on the ship. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I just wanted to ask. Uh, I figured the same for Dex. So, okay. So I'm sorry. A lot of stuff has happened since the last time we played and we got the offer. It's we can do this heist or we can go about the business we'd already talked about, either just learning more or breaking Barrick's dead friend out of jail. Right. <laughs> like that's kind of where we're at. Okay, well, Dex would say to you guys yeah. as you're walking to borrowed time. Yeah, as we're walking to borrowed time. Hey, uh, I know we need to have like a, a real conversation about this thing that last I'd offered us, but I need to let you know because Barrick had already left this this job that he offered us. Um, and I know we're not criminals for hire, uh, but man, he just keeps putting enticing things out there. Uh, apparently, my brother is going to be there, uh, or at least someone with my brother's name. Now, I will say the last time I met one of my brothers, very little productive happened. So I don't, I don't know how enticing that is for me right now, but it's sure isn't something I'm quick to leave by the wayside. Does that somehow make it more enticing that we should break into a highly secure place when someone, someone who knows you is going to be there? I mean, it doesn't make it seem like it'll be easier to do. I don't know. I'm still wrestling with it. Uh, both but, Jeff and Dex are still wrestling with it. Really but, makes but a difference. We we need stone. Yes. I mean, it, no. It certainly wouldn't hurt to have another one of the stones. No, but I mean, we have to. Is there some reason we believe we have to collect the whole set? Well, we just we know that we know that uh, it's the red stones that give us the advantage at this thing's end game, and so all of us having one seems like the best course of action. You all on your journey. Because presumably you've been in Stormreach long enough now to where you know the ins and outs, you know which neighborhoods are more likely to result in you all getting potentially mugged or at least somebody trying to mug you. And so you you are making your way through Stormreach through the more uh, the path of least resistance, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, which includes passing by the Stormlord's homes and you see the fiery or <laughs> the rubble of a Montu's home as you all see it kind of in the distance. You're not walking like on the street right next to it, but you can definitely spot it. You see that there have begun to be a memorial S collection of flowers and some pictures and things like that. You're not close enough to get a good look at what it is, but you do see some people standing there mourning and dressed in all black. Dex is unmoved. Booyah is, is being booyah and seeing this. Perception check to Dex. Sorry. Go ahead, Booyah. Yeah. Like 27. Okay. He's going to 
kind of wander towards that way to get just a little bit closer to see, you know. Okay. You see, you don't really recognize anybody standing around because you didn't know anybody um, from the Amantu estate. But you do see there there are portraits and pictures of Amantu and some dwarfs standing around. But as you get closer, you see a small portrait of a, a human also perched up on a, a small, modest set of flowers. With your perception check, you do see that um, Mrs. Driston, the kindly old woman that you met and gave the b- bottle of wine to, uh, is amongst the people standing there mourning. But you don't see any of the other stuff that Booyah saw just because yeah. you didn't venture over there. Sure. Okay, Booyah goes back and explains that Booyah see a small picture of a human with other picture of of Mantu. Okay. Barrick just stops on the road and then walks over to look at it. You see a woman and a young man in his tw- about your age standing in front of this small, modest portrait of uh, an elderly man. You would guess a few years older than the woman that's standing there. Obviously not walking silently up right next to them, but you can tell that they are crying standing before the rubble. Based on looking at the man's dress and being aristocratic myself, can I guess his function? You would have imagined that he was, based on his attire, head of the household. Given Amantu's age, it would make sense that he would keep somebody, essentially their entire life, being a dwarf as his head of household because they would know his preferences and things of that nature. Okay. Bear turns and just moves back towards Dex and Booyah. House wasn't empty. Killed his butler. And then he stalks down the street towards a bar. So you're not going back to borrowed time? I am not. Okay. It's a pirate city. It's not hard to find yeah. one. Um, sure. It's like London turned up to 11. You go in. Do you get the same swill that you got when you first arrived back in Stormreach? The- no, I think Barrack has probably figured out what takes what tastes good at this point. Okay. In terms of Strong. Cheap, cheap booze. <laughs> okay. You get some some middle shelf whiskey. And um, I keep my I keep my gloves on this time. I'm being more trying to be more considerate to the tavern keepers now that he's drinking more. That's kind of you. Uh, Booyah gets the sense that uh, he probably wants to be left alone at this point, and he's going to go ahead and head back to borrowed time. Dex, can't believe you did this to me. Dex is going to go see Varen last night. Okay, let's go ahead and. Um, Sorry, what what time of day are we? At? Is it? It's mid morning. Um, yeah, the, the, the bar is not full, um, except for people having, you know, breakfast, right? Just because I, I think it's, it's got the most legs just to start out with. Let's go ahead and do Dex and Lassite. Uh, so obviously you're, you're in the district where his home is, so it's not hard. Mm -hmm. Same set of guards, but you're, you're in moon elf form. I'm guessing. Yeah. So they, they recognize you as like, are you here to see Lassite? Oh Yeah. Very well. Come on in. He's not with anybody right now. You walk in and you see that uh, things have started to get back to normal. You see Chuck or Charlie (laughs) walking around and you you see you recognize just a a couple, not not the full attache, but um, a couple of the people that you saw in Amantu's kitchen are now here in last night's home. It's it's a quick, easy trip up the steps and the guard walks you uh, presents you to last Right. What Vern? Is that the name you've been going by? But he would know you as he would call me Dex. Dex. Um, as long as no one else is in the room, I think. Yeah. 
Dex is here to see you. Oh, uh, what? I wasn't expecting you uh, so soon. What What can I do for you? Um, did you know the man that died in the house with Amantu? I had met him. Uh, I've known of him for most of my life. Um, he's, since I've been alive, always been Amantu's head of house. Did he have family? Yeah, they, they all were members of the staff. His, his wife was head of the kitchen staff and his son was one of the cooks that worked with her. Have you hired them yet? I have offered to them um, to come work on my staff, uh, but all, all the storm lords are reaching out, some more altruistically than others. Um, I know that Lord Selshadra just wants his staff for his secrets, but um, no, I, we've all made offers to his staff. They, they have not given a response to anybody yet, which all of us have made our offers known, but haven't pressed the matter. Obviously, they, they're going to need time. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Just um, I want to make sure those two land on their feet. And in the meantime, I'm going to bring you my share of the basically murder money. And you can figure out how to get that to them. Okay, uh, I'll I'll do what I can. But frankly, Amantu had no love loss for us and tend to speak poorly of, of me and Lord Omerin frequently to his staff, but I, I will do my best to reach out. I'll give you my word. I mean, if it means you give it to someone else to give to him and your name's not attached, I just, I don't know people here. I don't know who I can trust with 10,000 gold. Some rando is not going to walk up and give them 10 grand. Yeah. It needs to come from a channel that would make sense. So you can figure that out. Okay. As for your other job, we haven't discussed it, but I'm betting it's going to end up based on the slow deterioration of my compatriot. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a no. Yeah. What, what happened out? I mean, you guys were gone for weeks and you, you all came back a little bit different, but Barrick yeah, said that got a lot smaller, yeah. didn't he? Well, <clears throat> Oh, I mean, Barrick seems like he's in a bad way. Yeah, look, that's not my uh, that's not my story to tell. Uh, what I can tell you is we saw things and dealt with things that none of us expected. Um, and yeah, it hit Barrick harder than the rest of us for sure. Um, which is an understatement, but again, not my story. And I honestly, I don't know, I don't know where this is going to take him. And neither do I, uh, but uh, <laughs> while, while you're speaking mm -hmm. uh, above a little wooden tray on last night's desk, you just hear the faintest like as a piece of paper materializes from flame and lands in the basket. And he kind of glances at it and goes back to giving you your attention. Can I or your you his attention? Right. <laughs> Does he do? Tell me if I need to make a check. I mean, I'm sure I will tell you which check to make. Does he flinch? Does he change his demeanor at all? As though this, this the little glance may have shown that that piece of paper had something to do Give with me an insight check me and my crew 17 you notice as he kind of gave a brief cursory glance to what was at the top of the paper he tends to i do a bit more intensely but not his demeanor towards you didn't change it was just kind of a that's distracting i'm gonna focus right now okay. as to not be rude all right sure um is that important i mean i know i kind of barged in here i middle of your day it's it's a notice from Lady Omer, and I'll I'll get to it here in a bit. It's fine. All right. Listen, here's the thing regarding Barrick. I'm not going to speak for him. There are things he wants to accomplish here too that I think, while not as time sensitive as yours, might be time sensitive in the sense of 
halting or reversing his decline. Um, and those things are probably going to take precedence for a while. Um, well, I mean, like I said, it was a job offer um, to make uh, a, quite a bit of gold and get something that I frankly thought was important to you based on the way Orkev described how you reacted when you came across one. So that was the heart of my offer. Um, also, you know, getting some some things from Merrick's to Kenneth, but I, I get it. My my family are pirates. I all you got is your crew. So, you know, you got to look out for each other before anything else. So no hard feelings. Um, Lady Omerin might be a bit perturbed, but, you know, you do what you need to do. Well, this isn't a direct decline. Uh, this is me saying where I think things are headed. Uh, and as far as Lady Omerin, that is Barrick's cross to bear. We'll go ahead and cut to Booyah arriving on borrowed time. Um, Booyah, you see Gerald is um, scrubbing the decks. He's cleaning. Um, his hair is tied up in a knot. And he just kind of glances at you and gives a, a friendly nod. Um, give me an insight check. Eleven. Seems like good old Gerald. You sit down to read in your book. And the next story that you begin reading is distinctly unlike the the other stories you've read thus far of grand tales of self-sacrifice and heroics and celestials rescuing entire villages, things like that. Um, this story starts off in a small village. And as you begin to read, it's the story of a father and son. And you stop as you start to read that story and your mind kind of goes back. Uh oh. And you stop and begin to think. And the memory that flashes before you is the vision of six-year-old goblin looking up at you and smiling. And there's a an older goblin struggling to carry some water from the river. And this young goblin points at him and goes, Dula help. Dula. And the young goblin begins to go over and help the old man carry the water. You just remember how foreign that act was to you and everything that Dula would do. Your tribe and you were what a lot of people unfairly stereotype as goblins. You were chaotic evil. You killed to take whatever you wanted. For some reason, this child of yours didn't buy in. He, he looked at the world around him and saw people in need of help. And he comes back and takes your hand and seeking your approval, like, do la help. And Booyah looks down at his son and shakes his head and, Booyah, no, no, understand. Why, why you, why you help? Do la, take care, do la. Watch after do la. Other take care of self. Why, why you do this? Booyah, help do la. Do la, Booyah, son. Make difference? You that help get water. Why get own water? N not, not. Booyah have Dula water. Dula help, help man get water. He no get water unless Dula help. Uh, Dula, go just do, ah Dula. You you make Booyah crazy sometime. 
go play. You see just this big toothy grin from this goblin boy who is just all ears and feet. And he smiles and Puya help Dula. Puya help, help man. Dula help man. And he skips over and a, another elderly goblin that your, your tribal culture is you, you take care of yourself. You looked after. And once, once you can't do that anymore, you're basically out of the tribe. And Dula goes and helps another goblins kind of on the cusp of hitting that point, gathering water. And he's carrying this bucket next to this older goblin man, helping him guide him along. And he just turns and grins at you. And then you're and Booyah's looking around to see if any other goblins are like taking he, this in and watching this. You see them very confused and somewhat angered by this display. And then in a moment, you're back on borrowed time with the book in your hand. And tears are streaming down Booyah's cheeks as he finishes this story. Okay. Barrick. And, and unless you have something specifically planned for this random bar, uh, I think Barrick has probably started frequenting the, uh, the dive of the dive bar, the black freighter in the Harbor district. Since okay. he knows that's where Baynard drinks. Okay. After a couple of drinks, Barrick probably moves that direction. Okay. So you go to the Harbor district and you see borrowed time sitting large amongst the other ships. Um, and you, you walk over to the black freighter and enter and you see, uh, Baynard sitting in his normal spot at the bar, uh, in deep conversation with the bartender there. And he kind of looks over his shoulder and, ah, Beric, are you early for our training? I wasn't expecting you so soon. Normally you're in church right now. No, I just came to drink. Well, no finer place to do it. Here. And he taps the bar next to him. Beric sits down. The, the bartender that you've, you've come to know over your time with meeting it. You've, you've met with, uh, Dedrick here before. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of with a gruff grunt slides a very thick, uh, black ale across the bar to you. A thick beer. Mm. 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 Chew on this for a while. Derek. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks captain. Mm. And he just turns around and goes back to his business. So, Beric, what's the occasion that you joined me for a drink? Oh, nothing else to do, really. Hmm. Just just nothing else to do. Well, I don't know about that. There's always plenty to do. It's one. This is one of the finer things to do. You have to appreciate moments like this. Sit down and enjoy a, well, frankly, lukewarm ale. Among lukewarm friends. <laughs> <laughs> you hear about him on too. Ah, uh, yes. Pity. He was always one of the uh, the more entertaining storm lords. Very blustering and loud, but by all accounts, not a terrible man. It's a tragedy, but it seems like the storm lords are intent on installing Merrickamont too as the new storm lord of Stormreach. So... We'll see how that goes for him. Probably not well. For my money, I've never trusted them. It's all politics and backstabbing. I like a cleaner fight. Something more straightforward. You know what you're fighting for. 
rather than who you're fighting for. Yeah. Why do you ask about Amantu? Were you close? Walked by- <sighs> no. Walked by his house a little bit ago. Ah, yes, I see people mourning the man, but he, he was the only person living in Stormreach that was here when it was founded, that we know of, of course, but it's a shame to have that history lost, but... I suppose it is. Enough about Amantu. <clears throat> How are your exercises going? Are you finding the strength to be found within rather than looking elsewhere? Uh, yeah, some of the techniques you've used, uh, you've taught, shown me have been, been very effective. Um, it's a different kind of magic that I'm used to, but I've had, I've had enough experiences to, to know it comes in all forms. Yes, that's <laughs> very true. It's amazing how your eyes can be opened when you experience something for the first time. You think the world is one way, and somebody walks into your life and changes everything. Yeah. I have something for you. I, I feel like we've grown somewhat close. We can't train as frequently as we have for as long as we have without at least growing respect for an individual, at least on my end, for my part. I appreciate that. And... We, we have been working on some new techniques, some new magic, and I wanted to give you something that could potentially assist you. You are the most tight-lipped of any student I've ever had, Beric. What you fight for, who you fight for, it's very unclear, but... <clears throat> it is. I... <laughs> that's, uh, that's not being tight-lipped. That's, that's just the way it is. I see. It's very unclear. Well, hopefully this can help you in your journeys. And he kind of places his hand on the bar with his palm facing down and slides it over to you and lifts his hand up. And you see a small, dark shard of some some kind of material you don't fully grasp at first, first blush on a small chain. It's just sort of like a raw, like a raw gym shape yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, um... Curiously, I, I pick it up and sort of hold it closer and examine it. Um, I mean, can I, I can I identify the stone? I'm, I mean, I'm not a geologist. Can I identify the stone? Is it a dragon shard? Is it a jewel I recognize? It, it's not anything. you would, it, it seems like a, a gem or a jewel, something like that, but you don't recognize the type. You, you get a good sense of the material, for lack of a better way to put sure. it. But sure, um, you don't recognize the type. It seems alien in nature to a certain extent. Hmm. I don't. I don't recognize this stone. It's a. Uh, it's a a common stone in Arenal. Uh, ah. the Elf Island. Yes. It was gifted to me some time ago, and it has allowed me to tap into my power within me um, and in times of great need do things I quite frankly previously thought incapable of doing um, nothing nothing so powerful as to slay a foe with a single swing of your sword but helpful magic things that could provide you utility in your times of need I my days of running around continents and being a grand adventurer are largely done. I'm not old, but I'm 
content with my current purpose in life. So take it and be well. Well, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. Just um, remember what uh, we discuss in our sessions, that you, you are the only one in control of what you're capable of. No gods, no kings, only Beric. I thank you very much for the gift. Beric kind of tucks it into a pocket. Well, it is high time that I get to another training session. I stay fairly booked. Like I said, we must enjoy these brief moments in our favorite tavern with our favorite ale. But... Uh, will you be joining me later on this afternoon for our session? I expect so, yes. Very good. Well, I will see you then, and be well. And Daedric gets up and walks out of the Black Freighter. Okay, Dex, what were you going to do post-last site meeting? What was your plan? I'd probably also head back to borrowed time. Okay. And Beric, are you doing the same after Black Freighter? Yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Booyah, you're wrapping up your, your story and wiping some of the tears away as you hear footprints begin coming up the steps to the deck of borrowed time. Um, kind of hurriedly, perhaps wipe them away. And you all would have gotten there around the same time. But uh, you two give me insight checks real quick as you see. Uh, you two is in Barrack Index. Okay. Um, Give me insight checks on Gerald as you 12. Uh, probably worse than that, actually. <clears throat> I got to do something about this plus one modifier. Eight. Booyah, give me an insight check as well. And Booyah has closed the book and he's walking. I have Gerald still scrubbing the decks. Yes. Okay. He walks up and looks down at Gerald and in a really just soft voice, he goes, Booyah, help. 21 insight. Okay. At your words, you see him smile and go to grab a cloth out of one of his pockets and hand it to you. And when Dex and Barrick get on deck, you see Gerald's demeanor. He's he's attempting to hide it well, but he you get anger from Gerald. Dex, with your check mm-hmm. um you don't get the the anger so much but you do see gerald kind of glance your way and tense up a bit i just, i just asked hey gerald you okay great man just living the dream all right what's going on what what's 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 the deal gerald why are you what's going on i uh Going to be more specific, Dex. I mean, are you talking about um, the fact that one of my closest friends and allies has been missing for weeks now? You talking about the fact that on the journey here, I had my whole life fundamentally changed? You talking about the fact that I left behind my livelihood and friends? What are you What are you referencing, man? I mean, all that sounds like a pretty Good, good reasons to be upset. So I guess all of it. Yeah, and it's been uh, been going on for a while. You know, um, who who good friend missing? Uh, 
Crest, the guy I talked about just when we were hanging out for those two weeks on the boat, working on the, the stone, uh, and I mean, broad strokes, the, the guy that orchestrated these two's escape from a country that branded them criminals and now has gone missing and you know, it's whatever. But will y'all hear this name sometime? Not at all. What? It's not how I remember that at all. I mean, he he went through the chain of command. He he besieged Bala. I mean, no, we he, talked to Bala directly through speaking stones. Yeah, and she sent you to meet up with she me. Sent you to you. Sent us to you. Where right? Where who was waiting to also escape? Crast also escaped. Yeah. I mean, Commander Bala liked you guys. She thought that you all were good workers, but you weren't her agents. Crast and Theradak. But Crast insisted that you two were going to be important if things got fixed in Breland one day. I mean, you, would, you wouldn't know because you didn't ask, but I mean. It's not how the conversation went. At all. Okay, cool. I mean, I agree. I've been, I, 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 I hope Crass is okay. And I think that we, we, there's no reason we can't go try to snoop around and see what's going on, but we're not any more beholden to him than we, he is to us when it comes to why we're all here. What do you, what do you mean? I mean, we're not abandoning a savior because we haven't been, at, been combing the town for him for the last couple of weeks. No, but I wouldn't say abandoning a savior, but, Crass at least considered you guys friends. Oh God. Now I need to know. And Booyah's just taking all this in, just confused, looking back and forth. I mean, I was the one that told him that Theradak was dead. Didn't have any more info for him because I didn't have it, but I figured he deserved to know. That's why he left. I mean, guys, I, there have been days when you all wake up, leave the ship to go do your stuff. I've asked myself, why am I still here? Like you said, we're not beholden to each other. I mean, I'm the only one amongst us that can fly this ship. The only reason I'm still here is because... I didn't say we didn't need you or appreciate that you're here. I said I said none of us were beholden to Crass and he wasn't beholden to us. We do need you. You're vital. Uh, and all I can tell you about the last... Uh, and I mean, Dex genuinely feels this. All I can tell you about the last week uh, when we've been gone uh, a lot is uh, we were doing something that I truly believe forestalled this great fight that might end everything. But now we've got some time on our hands. At least I do. What about the two weeks before that? Um, but, but, but When did Crast leave? The day that you all got back. He was below deck. You all um, went to go talk to last night. When you got back, Gerald told you he was gone. Right. Guys, I I get it. I've heard enough from Crast about how Draconos died. Like, there's some serious stuff out there that needs to be taken care of. And y'all are trying to take that on. And that's awesome. You know how many times while I was working with the Dark Lanterns, I stopped a great threat from igniting a war? Five. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, I didn't expect him to put a number on. I know. I, I was not expecting an answer to that question. <laughs> that, was good. that was good. I like that. Sorry. Continue. It, I mean, 
yeah, I, I only worked one job with you guys. I was your pilot, got you into Xandrar, fight some shadows, talk to some druids. That wasn't the first job I worked with Crast or Theradak. They, they were, I mean, not to, not to overstate it, but they genuinely felt like my brothers. They were my family because my actual family is a bunch of arrogant jerks that only care about status. And boy, howdy, they'd be happy to know where I am now because they would turn me into a slave because I have power flowing through my veins that I don't understand. I don't know what's happening to me right now, but (laughs) you guys come to me, get a report on who's been around to come see you guys on the ship, which I'll gladly tell you, but then you don't even ask what's happened to me or crashed for the past couple weeks that you all have been running through the jungle. I, I, Acknowledge and appreciate the fact that you think I'm vital because I'm a pilot for you. But I like to think that we've been through more than that. I like to think that you guys have been through more than that together. Like, I don't know. It's just you guys have been coming and going for weeks now. Doesn't seem like you're going to hang out the two of you together gallivanting around Storm Reach. Just by the way, um, he told me to tell you if you asked, but I'll just go ahead and let you know. Orgev is uh, in on dare, in case you were curious. He said that your goodbye left something to be desired, which, once again, he thought that y'all had been through some stuff. Y'all be concerned about the fact he was leaving Stormreach, but certainly did not get that vibe from you guys. You know what, Gerald? Yeah. This is all tower spit. You know what? You have no idea your world's been turned upside down. Congratulations. Join the bloody club. Your world's been turned upside down. I have been in another world. Great. I have been dead and I am back. I had talked to my dead mother and it was not a great conversation. The last time I had a conversation with Orgab, it was about him not trusting me. So I'm not all that, I'm not all that sorry that we didn't have a tearful goodbye. I'm not interested in talking to Christ right now. I have lost my connection to what I believed in, to all the things I believed in. I have no idea where my family is. At least you know whether yours is safe. I, the country I served has gone to hell. I don't know what's happened, but the king has proved untrustworthy. I've lost the connection that I had to the thing that I thought was the spiritual world. And I'm not interested in talking to a paladin of the flame about it. And if you think if if you think for a second that if any of the three of us had taken off in the middle of the night without letting the others know what was going on and Crass would have halted what he was working on to come and find us, then you didn't know him quite as well as you thought you did. Really? Yeah. I'm not talking about going and having a conversation with him, asking for his input. He has been missing for weeks. Weeks. No word. No sign. And that's what I'm saying. If one of us took off and had been missing for weeks and Crast was doing something that he thought was important. He would not halt it to find us because that's not the kind of guy he was. He was mission focused. How long did you know Crast? Long enough to gather that. And because I've known him for a better part of a decade, he looked out for the people that he thought he could trust. Like I guys do what you're going to do. I'll be here if you need me as usual. But I, I've tried. 
I've tried to go out into Stormreach to look for him. I've gone out in the middle of the night, but I'm terrified. One person that's the wrong type of person spots me and sees what's on my body. I'm done. I'm a slave for the rest of my life. So I make it out there about an hour before my anxiety starts to get the better of me. And I have to come back. I, I miss my friend. That's all. I acknowledge that the country you served, Barrick, has crumbled. We don't know what's going on. I'm right there alongside you. I was a member of the King Citadel. Look, you want to ask for something? Ask. We'll help. But I'm not going to sit here and be lectured by you like you're my mother. And he turns and walks back down the gangplank. Real shocking move, Barrick. You guys do what you're going to do. I'll try to find Crast. I get killed or taken in. Wear a bloody cloak. Matter of fact, here, wear this cloak. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, Booyah is like furiously scrubbing the deck. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going on. Mom and dad are arguing. And he, you know, I feel that Booyah has formed a, a bit of a relationship with Gerald, you know, during the experimentation and the tinkering around with mm-hmm. the stone. And he just kind of looks at Gerald and, and he says, Booyah, look, Crest, when can you, you have to tell Booyah what look like. I'm um, still, Dex is still staying there. <clears throat> I can tell you what he looks like when we go out. You don't need to know what he looks like because I know what he looks like and I'll be right there. Gerald nods and I'm not telling you what to do. I understand you got important stuff going on. If you need to do that, do that. Just, you know, it'd been bothering me for a long time. Yeah, well, clearly. How about this? Next time something's bothering you, you, we, I see you every single day. Yeah, we're gone a lot. We're doing things. Some of them are important. I would argue most are important to the ones that are doing them. Um, we didn't go talk to Crash the minute we got back because he, he didn't come up to see us either, if you recall. So, well, hang on. Next time. So, he didn't come. We'd been gone for two weeks. Theradak didn't come back. He didn't come to the, uh, he didn't come above to see us. And we had things that needed immediate attention. So yeah, we took off to finish what we'd been doing for two weeks. And in those two weeks, I can't even begin to tell you the stories of the horrors and the heartache and the tragedy. And that's just me. That's not even what Barrick had to deal with. And we came back and he was gone and we had things to attend to. You want to say on day two, hey, I'm worried about Crass. He took off and didn't tell anybody. Day two, we say, all right, cool. We'll put out feelers. But he's a grown man and he left and I didn't think much of it. So if that concerned you, you tell us before it reaches this point. Now I got to go track down Barrick again. God only knows what bar he's in. There's a lot of them around here. He's God only knows what is going through his brain on a regular day, let alone (laughs) after having to deal with what we've dealt with today and then come home to this from you. So here is what I'm saying. We'll look for Crass. But you, that self-righteous screed you just threw out was out of line. If we're going to work together and we do want to work together, we appreciate you and we need you. And we know that if you could leave this boat and be safe about it, you would be a, 
a vital help to us and we could be a vital help to you, but it is what it is. Yeah. Your life got turned upside down. All of our lives got turned upside down. I've watched (laughs) over the course of two weeks in the jungle. I watched two of the three closest things I've had to brothers in the last 15 years die. Your family's still out there and Crass, who you consider a brother is probably still out there somewhere and we're going to go look for him for you. And then I, I don't, I don't get off the gangplank because Barrick's also a grown up and he can go, he can go self-destruct how he wants right now. Um, I just go to my room. Booyah, are you still scrubbing the deck? Yes. Gerald just kind of puts his hand on your shoulder and Booyah, you're, you're good. I, thanks for the help. Kind of like to be alone right now. Okay. Uh, uh, Booyah, understand. Uh, maybe no be so hard decks, Barrick. They, they go through a lot too. But, but Booyah, understand. And he grabs the book and takes off to his room. End of episode. Thanks for joining us for the Eberron Bummer Hour with your four (laughs) idiot friends. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, If you want to be part of the conversation, go check out the Facebook group uh, at the Geek Pantheon. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You head on over to the geekpantheon.com. There's a contact us page if you want to get in touch with us. Um, And yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and a huge thank you to all of our amazing patrons. Uh, once again, I'm your Dungeon Master, Eric. And I'm Philip. Randy. I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time. Woof. Woo. <laughs> okay, so I had to step out to tend to Ferris leaving. Booyah has a son. Do we know? Did we find out in the course of that thing if that son is safe and sound? We don't know. He did not. He's just not. Huh? We did not find out. Okay, we just know he's no longer with Booyah. He could be a grown ass man. I mean, Mm -hmm. and off doing his own thing. Okay. I'm still trying to figure out how broken up Dex would be about killing an innocent guy. Like, I feel like he said, make sure they get jobs. Here's $10,000 to tide them over. Sure. He has atoned. That is not the first not super guilty person that the three of us have killed. I mean, even those even those assassin rogues were just doing their job. Uh, Barrick has a chip on his shoulder about the houses in general. So sure, sure. I'm uh, not saying Barrick's whole thing is not contradictory in any way. Right. No, I know. I know. So that happened and the booyah thing happened. And then Gerald pitches a fit, a, a justified one and a well acted one. But son of a bitch, this episode. I'm going to go take a Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good one. Oh, no, it was a good episode. I think, I think people are going to like it.